Lucy and Amelia <laughs> and today we have a very special guest Ava Monroe. Um, Ava you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course, hi. Um, my name is Ava. I'm 16 years old. I'm a sophomore at LaGuardia High School and I'm the executive director of the CARE campaign. Awesome. What was your rise to activism and advocacy work? Like how did you get involved? Uh, in seventh grade my stepdad uh, back in the 90s helped to form this really amazing nonprofit organization called Do Something. And so in seventh grade, I did an internship there where I developed a choose your own adventure software program for Black History Month about the Little Rock Nine. And I think just being in an atmosphere where it was full of, full of 20 something year olds who were so passionate about our world and America specifically and you know changing what they believed was wrong with our country and being in that atmosphere at such a young age was so inspiring and not only was I almost raised in that atmosphere but you know taught to be so politically correct at such a young age and I, that was where I kind of found my start and then freshman year I was a part of New York City Says Enough uh, which is a gun control and education nonprofit and I was on the vice, current vice president of Vote 2000, which is an online voter registration platform powered by Do Something. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, how and why did you start the Cure campaign? I started it for my mom. My mom is a breast cancer survivor. And the scariest thing with her type of cancer and with the majority of cancers, for survivors at least, is that uh, on the legal side, before I got any of my team members involved, Last summer, I, with the help of Felix Tager, uh, I was able to incorporate and then file for a 501c4 nonprofit. Off of my staff members and you know my seniors and the people who I looked up to as both activists and as people, and you know getting different perspectives and looking at the legal perspective versus the social media perspective versus the legislative perspective, etc. And it was amazing just getting to hear people's voices and opinions on it, like every idea. So it was honestly just talking to as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners who don't know, do you want to explain the process of how a bill is proposed and how it becomes legislature and a law? Do you want to explain of that? Of course. Yeah. So I actually have a really great uh, slide that my research department made oh, for awesome. our whole CURE team so yeah. that we would have a great understanding on what it is. I'm going to pull it up. Awesome. And give them some due justice. The Cure Research Department, you guys are amazing. <laughs> Always do your work incredibly well. The Cure is a nonprofit, 501c4 nonprofit, fighting to pass federal legislation allocating funds to increase the national cancer research budget. And that's a big mouthful of words, so you know, <laughs> here's a little summary. Uh, Legislation is passed by a majority vote in the House of Representatives and the Senate. So you basically have to get through kind of two levels of the, the Cong- Congress to then make it to a presidential meeting where the president himself has to sign off on it. So we have three levels that we have to get through, the House, the Senate, and the president. Where are you with that? Uh, we have meetings lined up with uh, Mr. Biden and Ms. Gillibrand, oh and we're hoping God. to get 
on either one of their 2020 campaign trails so we can be a part of the kind of the and especially with Biden because his son had brain cancer and died from brain cancer and so he's actually has his own separate kind of moonshot for cancer research funding but unfortunately I think that only got 400 million dollars which is sounds like a lot in the grant but in the grand scheme of things is very very little so we would love to partner with him and work on his campaign trail So, uh, not only do we want to increase the National Cancer Research budget, but we want to actually allocate funds from a different department. For example, the defense budget has close to $620 billion, and the cancer research budget has $5 billion. And so, I propose as a teenager of America that we fund saving lives instead of taking them, especially in a time of peace for America. So, I mean... For example, just for perspective, NASA has 15 billion. I just propose that cancer research gets the same amount, if not more. Do you want to talk about the process of actually making a bill? So what does it take to make the bill? So for a law to be passed, it first has to become a bill, and the bill has to be sponsored by a representative or a senator from Congress. And then from there, the bill is placed in the hopper where it awaits to be voted on by the senators and representatives. If the bill is accepted, it will be passed to the House or the Senate. The members of the Senate can then proceed to edit or alter the bill. Then it goes to the president. So it's you get you get a you get a spot on the floor if you're lucky and you get to present to either the house or the senate if they accept you you go to the senate usually you start in the house and then mm-hmm. go to the senate and after it's altered and you know compromised and sat, thought upon it goes to the president he has to do his little seal of approval <laughs> what representatives would you hope to have sponsor your bill yeah i mean Gillibrand would be amazing mm-hmm. just because um yes yeah, she's a democrat yeah. However, she's worked with people like Ted Cruz, who are yeah. just so far on the other end of the spectrum. I think she would be an incredible person to have on our side, especially if we have a a very uh, strongly opinionated Republican senator or mm-hmm. House representative, who's because we need to have two sponsors, a Democrat and a Republican, yeah. because we are very, very nonpartisan. Uh, we don't believe in labeling. We don't believe in, you know, judging people based solely upon their political affiliation. And so... We're very, very adamant on the fact that we need a Democrat and a Republican sponsor. And so I would love to have someone like Kirsten Gillibrand as the Democrat. I would love to have Joe Biden as well. I think that this is a a cause close to his heart and something that actually, you know, ties into what he's doing as a senator and would be a huge part of his campaign for president in 2020. So I would absolutely love to be on his campaign trail. Um, Yeah, so for those those of you who don't know, when... um, a bill is on the floor, right? Um, there's a sponsor, as Ava said, and there's also a co-sponsor, mm-hmm. which is another representative in support of this bill. Um, and that's in short. Yeah. Um, so who would you want to co-sponsor? Honestly, whoever wants to co-sponsor yeah. us. I mean, I, I'm not going to be picky. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to co-sponsor us, you can just send me an email. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. What would you say to someone who is in opposition to the bill? Um, I hope no one you know or love ever gets cancer because you're going to feel like an awful human. Um, I don't really understand why you wouldn't support cancer research. I would love for you to explain to me, whoever you are. Um, and 
if you're looking at it solely on an economic stance, I pose a question to you. Why does the defense budget need $620 billion? America's not fighting anybody. If we had, if we had $500 billion, industries would decline, sure. The economy might suffer a small loss. But to me, American lives are worth more than any gun, ship, bomb, tank, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's American lives, it's the people here at home who are suffering, who are dying, and the kids who are losing those parents. So, uh, explain to me why there's such a huge misallocation of funds in our government. Yeah, that's so eloquent. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, so when you're going and you're talking to staffers or when you're talking to your representatives, what are the kind of things that you're gonna say? What are your um, modes of persuasion? Yeah, so I think like as a team, we, uh, like for me, me walking into a meeting, I'm like, we are the youth. Here is our huge collection and variety of people who care about our cause. And here's why you need us on on your campaign trail. And here's why we need you. Like we can make you look like you are a youth supporter that you, like who's gonna disagree against funding cancer research? And so I think it's going in there being like, I'm confident, this is why you need me. I'm supported by these people. Here's my following, here's the, you know, responses I've gotten on the campaigns that I've launched thus far. Yeah. And we, we can do things together. Like, this can be a mutual relationship. This is a symbiotic relationship for us. Yeah. And so walking in there confident and knowledgeable and brief and succinct, I think, is the most effective way to get anyone on your side. Yeah. Um, so, what is your position at the CARE? So what what do you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm the executive director and the founder of The Cure. And I recruit people and manage our projects that are going on within our departments. So we have a variety of departments like research, social media, community outreach, et cetera, legal. <laughs> and each department has assi- an assignment and we have bi-weekly meetings where we assign everything. And so I just make sure all those things get done on time and efficiently. Uh, what kind of advocacy and work do you need in order to pass this uh, federal legislation? Yeah, so obviously uh, getting to meet as many politicians as possible and getting into those meetings and just talking is something that we need to do in order to you know, start developing a bill. And once we get to that stage and we can be actively campaigning on a national level, it's people, it's the average American, it's it's you know Susan in Wyoming it's <laughs> Sally in Alabama and we need youth voices just as much as we need adult voices because this is the next generation of Americans and this is the next generation of people who are going to be affected by cancer if you're not already i mean our one of our main slogans is everybody knows somebody and do you guys mind if i ask you this do you no. do you guys know someone who yeah. has cancer yeah. or had cancer yeah and I've never asked anybody that question and have them say no. And that is one of our main things, like everyone is affected. And in our choppy political climate, I mean, thinking about America rallying behind an intersectional cause where everybody's affected and everyone can be a part of it. Intersectionality is something that America's lacking from 
the legislative process on a political level, on a social scale, even in the activism community. And so having this one kind of underlying, look, we're all fighting for the same thing because we all care about it and we're all affected by it, I think would be unbelievably powerful for America's youth and Generation Z as a whole. Yeah. I'm really happy <clears throat> you brought up the topic of youth and youth advocacy. So what kind of youth advocacy, um, youth activism, do you and The Cure foster? Yeah, so on the road to congressional approval, we have tons of projects that we hope will perpetuate youth activacy. Uh, one of the first things that we ever kind of proposed as a nonprofit was this article campaign where we have kids submit articles uh, surrounding cancer research, whether it's a personal experience with cancer, highlighting a cancer research doctor, a hospital, uh, a legislator who has supported cancer research in the past, new technology, etc. And we'll have them send them in, we'll edit it, and we'll post it on our website. And so just being able to say, hey, look, I care about cancer research. Here's something that I'm going to do actively. I'm going to write an essay. I'm going to write an article. I'm going to write something that means something and have it be published on a website I think is super cool. So we have that campaign. We have merch that was designed by my sister and her best friend who are 12 years old. And so they did it all by themselves. They launched it all by themselves. It's for sale. And it's, I mean, I, that's just so unbelievably incredible to see yeah. little kids, uh, you know, caring just as much as I do. We have tons of projects, but that's just the first ones that come to mind. If you could give any advice to younger activists or people wanting to be doing what, you, what okay. you're doing, <laughs> um, <laughs> what would it be? What, what would that advice be? My mom always tells me this and has told me this before and after this whole activism thing. <laughs> um, and it's better to be kind than to be right. And I think, especially in the New York City circuit, I'm not as experienced on a national level, but there are just so many intelligent people. Yeah. And you get to a point where, yeah, you can be super educated on a topic, but you ultimately, you walk through life wanting to learn as much as you possibly can. And so if you're just sitting there spewing facts about the National Cancer Research Budget, you're not going to learn anything. Where someone right there might be able to talk to you about their dad who passed away from cancer, or their brother who passed away from cancer, and learning that empathy and being able to listen is something that might be so much more impactful than a research study ever will be. So being kind and listening and being open to other people's stories and their truths and you know validating that, I think is one of the most beautiful gifts that a human can give unto another human. Yeah. What other uh, social justice work do you do? Yeah, so I'm a huge, huge supporter of voting. You should vote. (laughs) If you have the ability to vote, please vote. I've been given such an opportunity from such a young age to be able to travel with my family. And, you know, recognizing that privilege, but also utilizing that in my activism has been such such an incredible experience because I've been able to go to countries where people, whether it's because of their you know race, religion, gender, identity, sexuality, aren't able to voice their opinions. And in America, we are. And so not utilizing that gift, that right, as an American citizen, makes me wanna punch a wall. And so not only, you know, getting getting youth to vote, especially youth, especially like the millennial, like later Gen Z millennial kind of generation, maybe from 18 to 30, to get out registering. And so I'm the vice president of Vote 2000, 
which is a, an online voter registration platform that's powered by Do Something. The president is Nupal Kizola. She's the, uh, the president of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. She's an incredible human being. And, you know, we've developed this together. And the, the last election, we registered 500,000 people. And so, like, just, it makes me so sad as a 16-year-old who's so passionate about the country that I live in and the people I surround myself with, that I don't have the ability to vote, and that there are so many people who do and don't utilize that ability. And so, I implore you to utilize your privilege for me, for, for your kids, for your little brother, for your little sister, for your teachers who, you know, in New York, they can, teachers can't strike. Yeah. And so, like, you need to use your voice for the people around you who don't have the same abilities that you do. I, I, I always tell. I always forget which organizations I'm a part of. It's so bad. <laughs> like, I'll be like, because I've kind of, like, dipped my toe in everything. So yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> So I'm the New York representative for our Progressive Future, which is a a you can have a youth education platform, which we're very active on Instagram. Where you know, from a nationwide level, we kind of post news that's happening in every state, and so kids can stay informed, or you know, adults can stay informed too. But it's especially geared towards Generation Z, so it's been a really cool experience working with them. What do you do when you get overwhelmed with all the work that you do? Like, what do you do to distress? Um, be anything, be like theater or like. I go to LaGuardia. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honest, I, I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna plug it. Uh, I go to LaGuardia, and so I'm a drama major there. And like the second I walk into my drama room, and you know we're doing stage combat or miming or voice and diction or scenes and getting to slip into someone else's skin for a second and like kind of let my brain go dead and be somebody else and you know do that person justice has been beautiful I also I play guitar too and I love doing that and I, I read all the time if you okay I'm telling you school's amazing so lucky to have an education so lucky to live in America where I don't have to worry about you know not going to school every day because I'm a girl or because of whatever Reading is the best education you can give yourself. I don't care what you're reading, just read. It's so good. It's so good. You can lose yourself. Oh, I love reading. <laughs> anyway, I I totally agree. You can totally just like go away and out of your shoes and like yeah, just be a different person for however long the like rehearsal processes or anything. And it's just so it, it's a good coping mechanism almost yeah for everything you're going through like a while ago I was going through like some anxiety stuff and then like mental health stuff and just go, being able to go to drama for two hours every day was helped so much so like I totally yeah. agree with that and from drama I found so many other art forms right. where you know you see you see theater kids and normally if you're in that atmosphere you know you get exposed to so many different art forms whether that be spoken word or actually like writing producing and directing but for me it was spoken word and in my drama class, we have Poetry Slam Fridays, and writing writing in a way that wasn't, like, invasive for me, because I'm not someone who, ironically, even though I, like, cry, <laughs> want to cry for a living, <laughs> um, it's, like, as a human being, it's not, I don't like to talk about my feelings or talk about how I'm feeling a lot to people, and being able to, you know, write down everything I'm feeling in kind of a, 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 
with a nuance in a with a kind of a mask behind it so that other people can then you know apply their own lives and their own problems to the words has been so beautiful and then getting to perform it and you know just working on a different art form it's it's been such an incredible gift i love it yeah that's awesome what would you say to someone who like has a parent or like a friend or like someone who's like going through like, yeah. cancer treatment and like all of that um I was 10 when I went through with my mom. And like, you know when you're 10 and you look at your mom and you're like, wow. Like that is the most beautiful person. Yeah. Like the most beautiful, kind, perfect person anyway. And then seeing that kind of perfect image literally disintegrate before you before your eyes because of a diagnosis is I, I think probably the scariest thing that I've ever faced. And Actually, when I was 10, I was I was a big writer. I wrote poems. <laughs> they were not good, but I wrote them. And so I would say for people who aren't keen on vulnerability and exposing yourself, whether it's with your friends or your family or a therapist or a mental health professional, professional um, writing is a really beautiful way to express yourself. And you don't have to show it to anybody. It doesn't have to be pretty, but it helps. I also think talking to your friends if you trust your friends if you have good friends which i'm sure all of you do they're going to be there for you and having a support system whether that's in books or people or pages in your diary is important for anybody regardless of whether or not cancer has affected you but especially if cancer has affected you yeah sure and honestly like i i've said this a few times in any you know public statement i've done about the cure but I want to make it really adamant that I didn't I didn't start the cure for the people who were like me, the people who are lucky and still have their moms. It's so that the kids who are out there struggling, not knowing what to do after the death of a parent or a sibling or, you know, a close relative, and they want to do something, they want to change their surrounding and they want to, you know, change their anger into power to give them a platform, to give them an opportunity to speak up and speak out and, you know, have, a, have an ability to talk about how cancer has affected their lives and change it on a legislative platform. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, if you could give your younger activist self advice or your younger self who was going through that when you were 10, mm-hmm. what would you say? Um, this is going to make you so much stronger. And you're going to be a better person because you're going to be a lot more sympathetic and empathetic. You're going to be able to have a connection with a lot of people that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And you're going to be so grateful for the mother that you have in your life and never take her for granted. And yes, of course, you're going to grow up. You're going to be a teenager. (laughs) 13 is not a good age for you. Um, But I know that you're always going to love and respect your mom and treat her treat her with more love and grace than you would have had you not valued her life. Is there anything that you want to say that you feel like we didn't ask? Is there anything that Um, you want to convey? uh, Well, just with The Cure, we have so many new projects for you guys. If you guys want to reach out or, you know, support us or even join the team. Just for anyone who wants to be involved in The Cure in any way, we have a variety of different platforms in which you can help us so we if you want to be a part of the team we have a google doc that we're about to release we have an art competition that's in the works we have our article 
campaign that's already up and ready. If you want to submit a paper, we got you. Uh, we have, we're working on a national volunteering circuit so that at local cancer research hospitals, people in the area can volunteer in the name of the cure, just showing politicians, look, we care, and we're actually taking time out of our day to be with people who are suffering from this horrible disease. Yeah. So we have that, is, which is going to be super cool. Oh, we have so many cool things that we're doing. Yeah. Honestly, just join, follow us on Instagram. Yeah. At the Cure Campaign. Plug it. Look at what we're doing. <laughs> email, email us at thecureyouthcampaign at gmail.com. We'd love to answer your questions. Uh, and, you know, like, DM me. Like, if you have a question, like, I will answer it. I'm so proud of you for reaching out <laughs> and being involved. Yeah. Um, Lucy and I get this a lot. You're just a kid. Mm-hmm. What can you really do? You're just a kid. Why are you thinking about this? I hate that. I know. Oh, my God. I hate that those words just came out of it my makes, mouth. It makes me, like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you getting... Look at, look at Mulal. Can we just talk about Mulala Yousafzai? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. She is... A Nobel Peace Prize winner, a girl's education advocate, was shot in the head. She's not just a kid. Yeah. She's changing the world, regardless of her age. Um, but I will say, I mean, running an organization and being a part of a bunch of organizations is like having a full-time job. And then add that onto your responsibilities as a child, which, if you're lucky, aren't that many other than going to school. But, you know, you go home, you have to, you know, write your meeting itinerary figure out your coding on your website, <laughs> check our social media, answer some emails, and then I have to do homework or memorize lines or, you know, just go out to eat with my friends. And so juggling a an, an average 16-year-old life, like going to swim practice, like, and then also by night going to like press meetings or filming podcasts <laughs> or, you know, just having a normal meeting is tough and it gets overwhelming and you have to, like my team is team is literally the most incredible group of teenagers I've ever met and if like I don't if you if you meet any one of these kids I guarantee you the word you're just a kid you can't do anything will never come out of your mouth again because these people regardless of their age are so dedicated so determined and like the kindest most intelligent people who are just so eager for change And, like, I mean, look at the history of the world. Youth are the forefront of every revolution, from the French Revolution to the Haitian Revolution to the American Revolution. The kids, I shouldn't say the kids, the people at at the front lines were, you know, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. We win revolutions. We do. Yeah, we really do. We really do. And I believe we're on the brink of one. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much me. for coming <laughs> on. Um, and we'll see you when we see you. Okay. Yes. Peace we'll out. Talk to we'll, you. T- <laughs> we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you. Really <laughs> <laughs> okay.